Um, and we've been looking at this idea. I didn't turn it on that time. That's why it's not working. Is when you're good at relationships, um, you're good at life. And uh, in the first, I don't really have time to cover parts one, two, and three, um, mainly because I spent half an hour trying to get the laptop worked. But what I would recommend is if you weren't here, jump onto our SoundCloud or jump onto iTunes and type in Beyond Church AU and you can listen to parts one, two, and three online. And I would recommend with this series, don't start at part one. I would recommend at this series, start with part three because last week, if you weren't here, I actually had a conversation with two professionals from the uh, mental health industry and we answered your questions. We answered all the questions that you'd been talking about relationships. My wife and I have been talking about that conversation all week. We've been sharing it with our friends. Um, so if you want to jump into this conversation, I would say start at part three. But as we wrap up tonight, as we kind of land the plane on, on this series, we want to um, finish it like we do, uh, finish all series finales with a bang. Um, we want, I want to talk about what one of the one thing that you can do to kind of get on the front foot relationally. And, and it's something that, it sounds so simple when you hear it, but it's something that so few of us do until a problem arises. It's something so few of us do until we recognize, we go, oh, you know what, maybe, maybe this was an issue I didn't realize was an issue. And so I'm going to talk about that, and then I'm going to give you one big action to do or one big um, challenge at the end of the night. But just to kind of launch us off and get us thinking, I want to ask you a question, and the question is simply this. Who's in your circle? Who's in your circle? Who are the people that you, um, that you, that you would say, hey, they're part of my circle? And when I say circle, I don't mean I'm um, the person you share a desk with at work. I don't necessarily mean the person that you ride on the bus next to to school every single day. I mean, who are the people that you share the good times in life with? Who are the people when you get that promotion or when you get that new boyfriend or you get that new girlfriend, they're the first people that you're calling or you're texting or you're sliding into the, into the DMs to tell them about. And, and when I say who's in your circle, I just don't mean the people you celebrate the good times with. When, when I say who's in your circle, I mean who, who do you pick up and who do you talk to when you go through that breakup? Who do you talk to when you've got that really difficult decision at work and it's like, you know, do I change companies? Do I change careers? Do I, do I get a promotion? Do I maybe move sideways? Do I maybe scale back? Do I, do I maybe make a decision career-wise that everyone else would look in on and go, that's not wise, but, but I just feel like it's, it's the best decision to make right now. Who do you call or who do you talk to when you get a call or you get a piece of news that you never, ever thought that you would have to deal with? Who's in your circle? One of, the, um, one of the wisest people that ever lived, his name was King Solomon. He actually lived over 3,000 years ago, and he wrote um, this little piece of wisdom. He was such a smart guy, but he wrote this little piece of wisdom where he was talking about just the impact that our circles have on our lives. And he said this, he says, become wise by walking with the wise. Like, hang out with fools and watch as your life falls to pieces. And some of, some of you are in the room tonight and you're, you're wrestling with the same challenge or you've got the same relational problems or you're navigating the same issue that you were six months ago or that you were 12 months ago or that you were two years ago. And you say things to yourself like, I, I thought I'd have this figured out by now. I thought I'd have moved past this by now. I, I thought I would have a solution to it. And Solomon would say that if you're in that kind of rut and you just can't move past something, the first place that you should look is your circle. And the first place that you should say is, who am I walking with? Because Solomon would say, if you walk with wise people, you'll become wise. But if you walk and if you invite people into your circle who are on a different trajectory in life than you, then you will eventually watch your life and watch the dreams 
what the hopes that you have begin to fall to pieces. Now, now why is that a big deal for us? Well, it's a big deal for us because regardless of, of whether you're a Christian, regardless of where you sit on the whole faith thing, all of us, right, have somewhere that we want to end up in life. All of us have somewhere that we want to end up relationally, with a boyfriend, with a girlfriend, married, with a house, with kids, whatever that is. All of us have somewhere that we want to end up with in our careers. You know, we want to have that dream job. Maybe we want to be self-employed. We want to be a teacher. We want to make a difference in the world. All of us have somewhere that we want to end up um, <clears throat> financially. We all have destinations. And the problem and the tension comes in with exactly what Solomon says about our circle. Because for so many of us, most of our friends enter our lives by default, not by design. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? But for so many of us, our circle enters our life by default. How'd you guys meet? Oh, we did a coffee run at work and we just kind of got to talking and now all of a sudden we're best friends. How'd you guys meet? Well, we were kind of like both late to the school camp and then there was only two seats left on the bus and we just started talking and now we're BFFs. And, and, and I'm not saying that that's like a bad thing. I'm not saying that, that some of the friends that walk into our life by default aren't great friends because a lot of them are fantastic friends. But the challenge becomes if we let all of these people into our circle without thinking it through, without like processing, hey, who are the people that I'm actually letting into my circle? We run the risk of what Solomon kind of talks about. And just, just so well to kind of help you and give you an understanding, I want to invite Lockie out because here's what happens. Yeah, give Lockie a hand. He's got that grin on his face. Hey, mate, how are you? What happens when we begin to kind of let and all of our friends kind of come into our life by default, is, hey, look, if you'll come stand here, I chose you because <clears throat> you're a big, strong guy. You look like you worked out a couple of years ago. <laughs> now, here's what I want you to do. Pick me up. You did CrossFit when you worked out, right? Yeah. This is a functional uh, movement. This is, a, this is an everyday movement. You're going to, yep, okay. I, you just, just bend at the, bend at the yep. hips, yep, and just lift me up. Easy. Just lift. Oh, I, had a few, I had a few donuts last night. Okay. Here's what I'll do. I'll make it easier for you. I'll help you. I'll help you lift me up. Ready? And so, thanks, Lockie. Oh, you need your keys. Yeah, give Lockie a big round of applause because it's a. Uh, and and here's here's what that illustrates, is that it's a lot easier to pull someone up or pull someone down, than lift someone up. And here's the thing: none of you are looking at that like, oh wow, that's like so like that blew my face off, Chris. Like I can't believe this is the first time I've ever heard that. But you see that, right, and you know it. You see the example, and you know it intellectually, and you see it, and you go, yeah, you know what? It is a lot easier to pull someone down than to lift someone up. And realistically, I could just kind of end the message here. I could just say, hey, if you want to have the best relationships in life, get people in your circle that will lift you up. The problem for a lot of us is, is, is we don't know what that looks like. Well, well, Chris, what would it look like if someone was lifting me up all the time? Because I feel like I get pulled down a lot in life, but I'm not actually sure what it would look like if all my group around me were constantly lifting me up. So rather than just kind of make it this simple for us tonight, I want to give you a picture into what it could look like if you were surrounded by a circle of people that were lifting you up. And we actually get this picture through a historical document. It survived, it survived history. The document's called Mark. Um, because it was written by a guy called Mark. And it's actually a biography on the life of Jesus. But funnily enough, it wasn't actually... Um, Mark's not recounting his own experiences in this document. In fact, Mark's recounting the experience of this really famous guy in the early Jesus movement called Peter. 
And Peter was a big deal in the early Jesus movement because after Jesus rose from the grave, Peter was the guy that Jesus turned to and he said, Pete, you're going to carry the movement on. Like, I've got to dip, I've got to go back to heaven, but you're the guy who's going to lead the entire Jesus movement. And so towards the end of his life, Peter gets down with Mark and he goes, hey, Mark, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not really like a scribe, I can't really write well, but, but I want to share my experiences. And I want you to write for me a biography on the life of Jesus. And in this biography, Mark writes what Peter shared with him. And Peter shared an encounter that Jesus had. And in this encounter, what's so fascinating to me when I read it is that the person that Jesus had the encounter with, we, we really don't know that much about them. We don't know their name. We don't know where they grew up. We don't know what kind of family they have. We don't know if they were married. We don't know if they had any kids. But we learn so much about them based on the circle of people around them. And we learn so much about them because they are a picture of what it looks like to have someone lift them up and have a circle around them of someone who lifted them up. So we're going to highlight a few of these things. And just to kind of, so you've got some context as to where this encounter takes place so we're not just jumping in cold. What, uh, what Mark writes is, after a few days, Jesus returned to Capernaum and word got around that he was back home. So Jesus had kind of been out traveling, teaching, and Capernaum's actually in modern-day Israel. And so Jesus had kind of got back home to Capernaum, which was sort of his kind of base, um, where he'd kind of base himself and then go out. And he continues on. He says, A crowd gathered, jamming the entrance, this is of the house, so no one could get in or out. Like it was a mosh pit, okay? There was body arms, there was, there was body parts, there was BO flying everywhere. Everyone was packed in. They wanted to hear Jesus because he was teaching the word. In other words, he was just talking to them about God. And so you've got a visual in your mind of this house that was like jam, jam packed. Um, again, it's in Israel, so it's really, really hot. So it was a mud brick house. It was a mud brick house and it had a, it had a flat roof because the, uh, the summers are so hot over there that during the summer, often people will go and they'll sleep on their roofs during the night because it's a little bit colder. Um, but what that means is that there's an external staircase. So you can walk up and down from the roof from outside. And here, into the story, enters the person that Jesus has this encounter with. It says, they, a group of people, brought a paraplegic to him, carried by four men. So straight away, we're introduced to the man that Jesus has the encounter with. He's a paraplegic, and he's got a circle of four people around him. Now, here's why, um, culturally, being a paraplegic is worth us paying attention to. Because in that culture, if you were a paraplegic, what everyone else assumed was either... Your parents did something to annoy God, and so God punished them by, giving their, uh, by impairing their child in some way. Or, if you lived your life, and maybe you got a skin disease or something happened to you throughout your life, what people in that culture would assume is you must have done something to annoy God, and so God's punishing you. And so what would happen is, when you're a paraplegic, like, obviously, you can't work, which means there's no way to get money, which means you better hope that you have a family that loves you and cares for you. Because if you had a family that loved you and cared for you and supported you, what that would mean is that they would take you to the, a really um, popular part of town and they would drop you off on their way to work. And you would sit there all day begging for money or begging for food scraps. And then on their way home, they would pick you up and they would bring you back home. <clears throat> and that's what this man lived with. This paraplegic was constantly sitting on the edges of, on the fringes of society, begging for money, begging for food. And his four friends carried him to meet Jesus. And here's the first thing we learn about this man's circle, is that his circle 
did not allow him to tolerate being treated like a victim. But could you, could you imagine this, that, that this man sits on a corner and he doesn't sit there by himself, but he sits there with everyone else in the village and all day long they're talking to each other and they're saying, well, it's, it's not our fault we're here. Like our parents did something or we did something and now God's made us the victim. It's not our fault. And he sits there day after day hearing these people. And I can almost imagine, okay, Mark doesn't, or Peter doesn't tell Mark to tell us this, but I can also almost imagine the conversation that this man's four friends had with him. And they would have walked in, they would have said, hey, we're, we're going, we're going to hear this guy called Jesus. Like we've heard he's back in town, everyone's going over there, like we're going to jump in and we're going to hear what he has to say. And their friend would have been like, well, guys, you know, you know I can't go there. Like, like I'm, there's, there's places I'm not allowed to go. There's areas I can't step into in this culture. And that's one of them. Like, I cannot enter that house. And I just imagine his friends staring him in the eye and, and perhaps asking him, are you really going to let culture tell you who you are? Are you really going to let a community of people who don't know your story and don't know anything about you, are you really going to let them define you? Are you really going to play the victim because a whole bunch of people who know nothing about you have put a label on you? No. We're not going to let you do that. You're coming with us. And we don't care what anyone else thinks. You're coming with us because we're going to meet Jesus. You're our friend, so you're coming with us. Stop acting like a victim. And they took him. And then they, they ran into a little bit of trouble because when they weren't able to get in because of the crowd, they removed part of the roof and lowered the paraplegic on his stretcher. Now, that just kind of sounds so nice, doesn't it? Like they removed part of the roof as if it was like just a sardine tin they peeled back. But, but really what happened here is they took that external staircase, they got on the top of the roof, and they used their bare hands to dig through the mud ceiling. Like imagine if you're Jesus and you're in the middle of this mosh pit, and next thing, there's just like mud falling from the roof. And you look up and it's like, guys, what are you doing? Like, could you not destroy the roof of my house? You're like, Jesus, <clears throat> there's someone we need you to meet. And they bring that lower this paraplegic man down on a stretcher. And it's in this moment that, that we kind of discover that the second glimpse of what a circle that lifts you up can look like. See, this man, his circle led him not to be insecure around stronger people. One of the things that, that I absolutely love about um, what I get to do is that I get to hear so many stories from so many different peoples, from so many different stages of life and different, um, different cultures and different experiences, and I love it. But one thing that's consistent throughout is when I'll sit down across from someone and, and they'll say, like, oh, Chris, you know, I've just, just really got this, this tension I've really got this issue at home, or I've really got this challenge at work, and, and over 90% of the time, one of my questions will be, have you asked anyone for help on that? Have you spoken about it? Have you gone to someone in a similar situation to you? And the answer, over 90% of the time is, nope. And you need to know that if that's you, not getting help is not a sign of strength. In fact, strong people recognize when they need help. This man on this, this paraplegic on this stretcher, he could think all the good thoughts he wanted to. He could be like, yes, I'm strong. Yes, I'm tough. Yes, I'm not a victim. But at the end of the day, his legs didn't work. There was no amount of willpower that was going to get his legs to work so he could stand up and claw his way through the roof. He needed to ask other people in his circle and say, hey, this is something I'm not really good at. 
and, and I really need your help here. And fellas, if, if I can just talk to you for a second, mainly because I am a guy and so I've seen this at, at play. Guys, you love to do this thing in your friendship groups, right? Because I've done it too, okay? Where you just like one-up everyone, okay? It's just a constant like one-up, 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 one-up. And the girls are kind of grinning because they, they see you do it, okay? It's stupid, don't do it. Um, but but so, so often you'll hear one guy share a story and be like, oh, this one time at footy? And then there'll be another, oh, yeah, like this time at footy. And this time, and it just kind of goes this one-up, one-up, one. I gotta be better. I gotta tell a better story than you. I gotta tell a better story than you. Why? Because we can't be secure enough to say, you know what, that's, that's actually, yeah, cool. That's a great story. I don't have to one-up you. I don't have to be better than you. And fellas, 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 I say this because I've been there. You need to get a circle around you where you don't feel the need to constantly one-up each other all the time. And the only reason I say that is because one of, for me, in my life, I've seen this so evident where it is so important to have people who are around you that are stronger than you. And I see this like most evidently here. In fact, right from the very start, we had a group of leaders and one of the things they said to me over and over again was, hey, Chris, you're going to have to get, co- get comfortable leading people who are better at stuff than you and stronger at stuff than you. You're going to have to get comfortable leading people who are better at music than you, who are better at tech than you, who are better at graphics than you, who are better at leading people than you, who are better at doing small groups than you, who are better at running processes than you. But that's not a sign of weakness. In fact, the whole reason that this church works so well together is because there's a bunch of leaders every single week who go, you know what, I'm not good at a whole bunch of stuff. In fact, there's a whole bunch of stuff I'm weak at, but I'm really good in my lane. And when we sit in our lane, week after week, we get to create an environment like this and experiences like this that unchurched people actually love to attend. The story continues. Impressed by their bold feet, Jesus said to the paraplegic, Son, I forgive your sins. Now, this is just, this is just crazy, right? Because I could imagine if I was a paraplegic, now, this is just me, if I was a paraplegic, what I would do. If Jesus like, knelt down after I'd been dropped through the roof and he said, Son, I'd forgive your sins, I'd punch him in the nose. Right? And you're kind of like, can you do that? Can you say that in church? Like, think about this. I'm a paraplegic, and Jesus looks me in the eye and says, I forgive you your sins. I don't need my sins forgiven, Jesus. I need my legs to work. Like, my legs are not, that's the whole reason I'm here in front of you, because my legs don't work. But Jesus is, is so masterful in his choice of words. Because not only with this phrase was he communicating something to the, the paraplegic, because what he was communicating to the man in front of him was, what I want more than to fix the outside is I want to go to work on the inside. Because that's where great relationships happen. Great relationships occur when you do the internal work. But he was also communicating something to the crowd. This whole idea of forgiveness. Think about it. If someone hurts you and you've got to forgive them, your friend just can't come along and go, hey, it's all right, don't worry, I, I forgive them. You'd be like, what? You forgive them? It's not against you. Like, they, they hurt me. They ruptured our relationship. And what Jesus is doing in this moment is he's making this kind of statement, this declaration, he's saying, hey, I'm God. And because I'm God, that means I had a hand in creating every single person that exists. And if God exists, that means that when you rupture a relationship with another person, 
You rupture a relationship with someone that God cares deeply about. And you cannot rupture, if, you, if God has created every person, then you, if by rupturing that relationship with them, you just don't rupture a relationship with horizontally, but you rupture a relationship vertically because you can't be good with God as well as you're not good with people that God loves and God cares desperately about. And so in this statement, God, as Jesus is essentially saying, I have the power to forgive sins because I'm the author of life. And when you're the author of life, you have that kind of power. And of course, there were some church people there and some religion scholars sitting there started whispering among themselves. He can't talk that way. That's blasphemy. God and only God can forgive sins. And it goes on. Jesus knew right away what they were thinking and said, why are you so skeptical? Like, what's the big deal, guys? He said, which is simpler to say to the paraplegic, I forgive your sins, or say, get up, take your stretcher, and start walking? Well, just so it's clear that I'm the son of man, which is Jesus' way of saying, like, I'm God in a bod, and authorized to do either or both, he looked down at the paraplegic. And as he looked into this man's eyes, this is what he did. He said, get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home. And the man did it. He got up, grabbed his stretcher, and walked out with everyone there watching him. And we never hear another thing about this man again. We don't know whether he chose to follow Jesus. We don't know whether he was accepted back into the community. We don't know any more of his story. But in this interaction, we find out one final thing about his circle. And it's just simply this, that his circle surrounded him with faith. See, his circle, those, those four blokes that were with him, they, they said, hey, you can lean on us for a while. You can lean on us for a period, but if you keep constantly leaning on us all throughout your life, what we're going to become is a crutch. And you're going to hobble through life constantly leaning on us, constantly asking us to support you. So we're going to do you one better. We're actually going to introduce you to someone who can help you with what you're going through. And if you're a follower of Jesus and you're in the room tonight and you want to be the best friend that you can be this year, perhaps one of the simplest things that you can do is say to your friends, hey, you can lean on me for a while and you can support me for a while, but there comes to a point where I can't help you anymore and I don't know how to navigate that situation and I'm not sure what kind of advice to give you but I can introduce you to someone who can help. I can introduce you to someone who knows exactly how to navigate your situation. And maybe for you this year to be the best friend that you can be if you're a follower of Jesus, the best invitation that you can give is just to say, hey, I, I just know Jesus. And I'm not sure how he's going to answer your problem, but, but maybe, maybe you should just meet him. And what we learn by glimpsing this no man who we really know nothing about, what we get by glimpsing and getting a look into the way and the circle that was around him is this. And this is the big idea for the night, don't miss it, is this, that healthy relationships involve a circle of people who lift you up, not pull you down. You can't go through life by yourself. You need a circle of people around you in life and you need a circle of people who are consciously pulling you up, lifting you up, not pulling you down. So here's my question. Is your circle lifting you up 
or pulling you down? Is your circle a group of people that, that makes you compromise your values when what you want to do doesn't line up with what they want to do? Is your group of people a people who kind of challenges you and makes you feel awkward when you don't want to go to that event or you don't want to go to that party or you don't want to hang around a certain group of people at a certain venue? Is your friendship group maybe someone who uh, inspires you, who challenges you, who actually holds you accountable, not to judge you, but because that's what friends do. They hold us accountable. When we say, hey, we're going to do something, they check in and they go, so how are you doing with that? Have you had that conversation? Have you forgiven that person? Have you navigated that particular challenge at work? I know, I know for me, when I look at this right now, the answer hasn't always been a circle that lifted me up. There have definitely been times in my life where, where if I was to look back, I would, I would convince myself and I would tell myself, yeah, these, these people are really lifting me up. But, but as I look back and I'm like, you know what, I had, to, I had to compromise some things. I had to change some things about who I am and what I believe to be around that group of people. And really that circle was pulling me down. But I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, if you were to ask me right now, is your circle lifting you up? Or pulling you down, I would say this definitely 100% lifting me up. And, and, and just so you know that I'm kind of like not making this up, I wanted to show you um, the circle that I'm actually a part of. And it's, it's, it's our connect group that, uh, that I have with my wife and I. Um, <clears throat> I embarrassed them on Tuesday. I was like, look, guys, I'm talking about groups on, on the week. We need an awkward selfie. And everyone was like, we didn't do our hair. We didn't do anything. I was like, that's fine. So we got the selfie stick out. But, but this, is, this is the circle that meets actually mine and my wife's home every single week. There's not even everyone in this, in this um, not everyone in our group is in this photo. But there's a whole heap of people in this group who I have the opportunity to lift up, but they also have the opportunity to lift me up as well. There's people in this group who, who are teachers, um, who are project managers, who are in travel, who are in marketing, who are in the health industry, who are tradies. Um, there, are, there are so many different people from so many different walks of life with so many unique perspectives to offer. It's really, really hard to walk away from a, a circle with that many people when you meet all the time and you just do life with each other not feeling like you're lifted up in some way or that you've lifted someone else up in another way. And, and if we were to sit down <clears throat> and if we were to have a coffee one-on-one -on -one and you were to say, Chris, what's the number one thing What's the number one thing that I can do to make sure that I put myself in a situation where the relationships in my life lift me up, not pull me down? I would say join a circle. Without a shadow of a doubt, I would say the number one thing that I would say that you could do that would help you set you up relationally in life, that will help you live with fewer regrets in life, is to get connected in a group. Get connected in a circle. And here at Beyond, the, re the reality is we want you to live with fewer regrets. We want you to make less mistakes in life. But we can't follow you around all day checking on your shoulder to make sure you do that. And so deliberately what we do is we actually create environments where you can get in circles. And by design, not by default, you can actually be surrounded with a group of people and they're there to lift you now, I understand that some of you are kind of looking at that and you're like, ah, Chris, I'm not really sure if I want to join a group. Like, ah, I don't, know, I don't really know if that's, things, that, that's for me. Like, I'm kind of like an introvert. I don't know if that's, like, I don't want to be around people. Like, believe it or not, I'm an introvert too. That's, that's an excuse. It's not a reason to not get in a group. 
I know some of you are like, ah, oh, Chris, like I just have trouble opening up. Again, that's an excuse. That's not a reason to not get in a group. Maybe one of the reasons you have trouble opening up is because you've opened up to the wrong kind of people before. And don't you wish you could know what it was like to open up to the right kind of people? Don't you want to know what it would be like to actually share your journey and share your story and have someone go, you know what? I've been there too. I've walked through that too. Now, I'm not saying that you should kind of jump in a circle and you should share your life story on the first time. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is this, that not everyone can lift you up, but someone in your life should be. Someone in your life should be holding you accountable. Someone in your life should be checking in on you. Someone in your life should be going, hey, how, how are you doing? How's work? How's, the fa- how's family life? How's that relationship? But it's more than this. It's more than just about you. The reality is you can't lift everyone up, but you should be lifting someone up. There should be someone in your life that, you know what, I'm, I'm actually making an effort. I'm actually investing. I'm actually pouring into this person and I am making an attempt to lift them up. And so here's what we want you to do this week. We just want you to join a circle. We want you to get connected. And so what I want you to do is I want you to pull your phones out. Even if you're already in a group, pull your phone out right now. It's okay, it's in church, it's fine. I got my phone out too. I got a text message. Um, pull your phone out. And, and what we want to do, because this, um, this is the 6 p.m., and typical millennials, uh, like we are, is um, if you want to get connected in a group, the, wa- the easiest way that you can do that tonight is go to Instagram. If you don't have Instagram, go to Facebook. If you don't have Facebook, go to www.beyondchurch.com.au. Here's what you do if you have Instagram. You slide into the DMs, okay? You go to the Beyond Church profile, at Beyond Church AU, and you slide into the DMs, and you say, hey, I want to get in a group. I want to get connected. Just say something to say, I want to join a circle. If, if you're on Facebook because you don't have Instagram, then you just go to beyondchurch.com.au. It's like got the green B, that's the logo. And you just send a direct message and say, hey, I want to get connected in a group. And if you're not on socials because you're having a social sabbatical or you don't do socials, that's okay. Just go to www.beyondchurch.com.au into your web browser and there'll be a tab there that says connect. And just click on the connect tab, type in your name, type in your best contact, and then just click, I want to join a group. And then during the week, what's going to happen is one of our team here at Beyond is going to contact you. And one of our team is going to ask, kind of ask you some questions to find out a little bit about you. And then they're going to introduce you to some of our connect group leaders and give you an opportunity to actually get in a circle of people who are just like you, going through the same situations and the same challenges as you, so that you can be around people who lift you up. Now, before I get out of here, I know that there are some of you and you're kind of like, as soon as I say, get out your phones, jump in a group, you're kind of like crossing your arms, like, mm, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Chris, in fact, I'm not going to join a group because life is sweet at the moment. Life is going so well for me. Like, I'm killing it. Like, I don't need a circle around me. Like, I'm not a paraplegic. Like, I don't need any of that help. And if that's you, like, like I get that, okay? I totally get that. You can ignore me. You can walk out of here. But, but here's the reality. Is that there will become a time where, where life is not so great. And there will become a time when you do need people and you do need a circle around you. And if you think that you're kind of like, I'm self-sustaining, don't worry, I'm doing this on my own, that's ridiculous. Just think about this. If you're not wearing, if you didn't make the clothes you're in, if you didn't create, build the car that you drove here in tonight, if you didn't um, like have a little veggie patch where you kind of cook, got all your veggies and you got, you know, you got the eggs from the chickens, 
If you rely on other people, if you go to a grocery store, you are not self-sufficient. If you went into a shop and bought some clothes, you are not self-sufficient. You need other people because we all need other people in our life. And here's what I would say to you if you're resisting your pushback because I get it. But what I would say to you is just simply this. Don't wait until you need a circle to get in a circle. The worst thing that you can do is wait till you get pulled down. Wait till life kind of, you kind of like, I'm just watching my life fall apart and I don't know what to do. Why not be in a circle before that happens? Because when life happens to us, because life happens to all of us, you've got a group of people who can put their arm around you. Say, it's okay. We'll lift you up during this season. So this week, slide into the DMs. Join a group it might just be the best relational decision you ever make. I'd love to pray for us. Jesus, it's not always easy to take that first step. But I just pray that we we could learn from that man, from that paraplegic man. That we could take his example. And that's not an exhaustive list of of what a circle could, that lifts us up could look like, but it's a glimpse. A place where we're not, that our circle doesn't let us be treated like victims. A circle where our group actually lifts us up and holds us accountable. A circle where people surround us with faith. And the reality is that's, that's what we all want in life. We want to be lifted up and we want to be around people who lift us up and we want to lift others up as well. And so Lord, I pray that tonight there are some people here who maybe aren't connected but they've been thinking about it for a while. They're like, ah, but something's always got in the way. I pray that tonight that they would just be bold enough to begin that conversation to take that step, to take the plunge and look back in six months, in two years, in five years, in 10 years and say, you know what, getting connected in a group was the best decision I ever made. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.